0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a series talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. So, we have a great show lined up for you today. Later in the hour, we're going to learn about an incredible mother daughter team who created an organization that not only provides food and supplies for dogs and cats living on the streets with the homeless, but also makes all the arrangements for these pets to get to the local low cost spay neuter clinic for surgery, vaccines, and microchips. And I'm pretty annoyed with the Riverside County Fair here in California, and I'll be telling you why. Then, Peter's going to talk about shark fins with attorney Bob Ferber. I'm also going to speak to Dr. Michael Greger about eating to avoid heart disease and stroke. But first, today, February 20th, is the fifth annual World Pangolin Day. So in recognition of Pangolin Day, I'm going to play for you my 2015 interview with Jeff Flocken from International Fund for Animal Welfare. Do you know what a pangolin is? This scaly but cute mammal has the unfortunate distinction of being the world's most hunted animal. And now some pangolin species are critically endangered. People and groups worldwide are finally starting to wake up to the crisis. But is it too late to save the pangolin? And who and what is responsible for the shrinking numbers? I want to welcome Jeff Flocken, who serves as North American Regional Director for International Fund for Animal Welfare, or IFAW. His work addresses improving government involvement with wildlife conservation and animal welfare issues within the U.S. and internationally. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Jeff, our focus is on the pangolin. And like most people, I was not really sure what this creature was. What is a pangolin?
1: a great question. Uh, typically when I say I'm working on saving pangolins, people always assume I'm talking about penguins. Um, totally different species. Uh, pangolins are mammals um, and they're really not very well known. Um, they have scales covering their entire body, which uh, with the exception of their face and a part of their underbelly, which is the only mammal on earth that has that. They're a medium-sized mammal, similar maybe to the size of a raccoon. And they're found in Africa and Asia. There are eight different species all of which have a generally similar appearance Um, similar perhaps to what you think of as an anteater a little smaller and scales instead of hair.
0: Jeff give us a little detail about how they live what they eat their natural defenses those sorts of things.
1: Oh I can tell you some things but it to be honest, very little is known about pangolins. People have only started studying them recently. Um, how they survive in the wild is almost unknown, and because there are none in captivity, we haven't been able to study them that way either. What we do know is that some of the species are arboreal. They live in trees, while others well on the ground and live in burrows. They eat insects, um, vast amount of ants or termites um, or other insects found where they live. Their defense mechanism is actually very interesting. They curl up in a ball, similar to what people associate with armadillos, which renders them completely defensed against predators like lions or tigers or uh, any carnivore that might try to eat them. Once they roll into that hard ball, they can't be opened up. Unfortunately, that same mechanism makes them very vulnerable to poachers. since You can just grab the ball and throw it into a sack if you're trying to take them away as a human.
0: Wow. So what is the conservation status of penguins?
1: Penguins are in big trouble. They're, as I mentioned, there are eight species, four of which, the ones in Asia, are all endangered with extinction in the near future. The other four species that are found in Africa, we don't have a ton of information on their population numbers, but we're very concerned. And that's why a coalition of NGOs got together to petition to list of species as endangered in the U.S. Endangered Species Act.
0: So what are the main reasons they are threatened?
1: They really have two main threats right now. The first is habitat loss, and that's an issue affecting animals throughout Africa and Asia, as well as parts of North America, Europe, and South America, Latin America. But um, in the regions that they are found, Southeast Asia, South Central Asia, and throughout Sub-Saharan Africa, these areas are really subject to expanding population and loss of habitat due to agricultural spread, Cities and using natural resources, for mining and taking charcoal out of forests, etc. So, all these things are working against them in terms of habitat. But a real pressing threat these days is from poaching. They are being killed in mass numbers for meat consumption as well as for their scales, which are used in traditional Asian medicines. Also, they can be used as clothing and eating. Tangolin, sometimes you know, the status symbol in some countries.
0: So, Jeff, are they the most trafficked animals now? As I stated before,
1: uh, the by far the most trafficked mammal in the world. There, uh, Interpol, which is the international organization that of law enforcement, estimates that nearly a million pangolins were poached and trafficked over the last decade. And when you think about, this is a mammal as big as a raccoon or larger, one million of them being trafficked, it's a little mind numbing. They literally have confiscated crates filled with dead or live pangolins that are going through the illegal traffic, traffic markets into Asia. Um, there is no way for a species like this that has a slow reproduction, is very sensitive to its environment, to, able, to be able to reproduce quick enough to make up for the losses that are happening on the ground.
0: Now, you mentioned the products which are derived from these animals. Who and what countries are the primary end customers?
1: We believe that China, Vietnam, and other Southeast Asian countries are the main consumers. That's where the trafficking is really occurring. It's also where the species are disappearing the fastest. Um, However, when we did our analysis of illegal seizure, I'm sorry, seizures of illegal products, um, we found that the U.S., is a consumer. Um, over the 10 years that we've studied, from 2004 to 2014, the U.S. Interceded, intercepted 26, over 26,000 different pangolin products here in the U.S. Now, most of these were illegal, some were legal, because Asian species don't have full protections globally. It is legal to import them into the U.S. with the right paperwork. But about uh, of those 26,700 products from pangolins that are intercepted at U.S. borders were illegal.
0: Wow. Now, you mentioned these unique, beautiful animals are hunted from their natural habitats. How are they hunted?
1: Unfortunately, because their defense mechanism, I mentioned, is curling up into a ball, well, that works great against a large cat or um, a, a wild dog that's trying to attack them it makes them very easy to be grabbed by humans. It's one of the interesting situations with, where, because these species are naturally hard to see, they live by themselves except during, um, when they're weaning their young, and they are primarily nocturnal, many of them living in trees. It's not a species that you'd see normally if you were out on safari or out in the jungle of Southeast Asia, but the on-the-ground poachers have the ability to hunt them and catch them quite readily, and, and once they curl into their ball for defense mechanisms, they're very easy just to unfortunately just throw into a sack and then later to either clip the scales off them or to ship them whole to their end destination where they'll be consumed or ground up their scales into different products that are used in traditional Asian medicines.
0: Oh, that's just all so sad, Jeff.
1: It really is. It's, it's a beautiful animal. Um, they have that long sticky tongue that's used for getting ants and termites out of their their holes are from behind bark and long claws and their faces actually are pretty adorable Um, when someone sees them for the first time they usually have a reaction of what a cute little guy or in some some ways they look prehistoric you know what a funky looking animal it's not something that you would normally see they're so unique
0: but they're still breathing living sentient beings and just to toss them in a sack is just horrible
1: it, it really is. And unfortunately, with the confiscations frequently, they will find crates of live pangolins. Uh, and uh. as I mentioned, pangolins cannot be kept alive. Some of the countries have mentioned trying to farm them in order to meet the demand for their products. But in reality, there is no evidence anywhere of a second generation of pangolins born in captivity anywhere in the world. Um, there's one zoo in Southeast Asia that said they may have had a pangolin, born in captivity but that's one example in the home range there's nowhere else that's another reason people have not really ever become familiar with penguins because it's not a species you see in zoos um, I believe it's only one zoo in North America and only a small number in Southeast Asia that have live pangolins they've managed to keep in captivity without dying and again as I said they've never had any success in breeding them
0: is it legal to trade and consume pangolins in China and Vietnam
1: Yes, it's, it's a little complex. Um, currently, under CITES, which is the International Convention Monitoring and Regulating the Trade in Threatened and Endangered Species, the four Asian species of pangolin have a Appendix two listing protection, but zero quota. What that means is there should be absolutely no commercial importing-exporting of those four species between countries. At the same time, the four African species have a level two, appendix two protection, but there is allowed trade so long as the exporting country, the range country, says that it is not detrimental to the species in the wild to export this particular number of animals that are being permitted or are being requested to be sent beyond the borders for commercial trade. So in China, you, in theory, should be able to import African pangolins legally. However, there's no way to tell African and Asian pangolins apart unless you're an expert. Even then, once they're in the scale form, experts would have a very difficult time trying to figure out what species was in front of them. And we know that the Asian species are being heavily, heavily trafficked, and we know that from the intercepted shipments of these animals being shipped in mass to Asia for consumption. And what we're seeing now, though, is that the African ones are starting to be illegally poached as well. Even though they could be legally shipped, we know that they're being Poached and taken out of the wild without permits and attempted to be shipped as a black market item to Asia.
0: Jeff, these are beautiful creatures and they need our help. Any concluding messages for listeners or a website you would like to share?
1: Absolutely. I would encourage folks who are interested in pangolins to go to www.ifaw.org. Uh, that's i to learn about opportunities, what they can do to help. As this petition to list of the U.S. Endangered Species Act to go forward, there are lots of opportunities for the public to weigh in. And there's also going to be a real push, I believe, globally for better international protection from commercial trade when the next CITES Conference of the Parties happens in South Africa in 2016. And the more that the public demands these species be protected, the more likely that all the countries, which are most countries in the world, will come to the conclusion that there need to be strict protection against trade with these animals. So there are opportunities to help. We can save pangolins if we can just find a way to stop the commercial trade make the laws enforceable on the ground with a political will, we can save this animal from extinction.
0: Jeff Walken, thank you very much for educating us on this beautiful animal.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Hi, it's Dr. Lori from Animals Today Radio, and here is your Animals Today fun fact for today. Do you ever wonder why your cat bumps their head against you? Well, that unexpected butting of her head is known as head bunting, and this is your kitty's way of bonding with you. She is identifying you as one of her friends, and head bunting is her way of sharing her love and affection. And this is your Animals Today Fun Fact for today.
2: I'm Bob DiRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. Class action lawsuits play an important role in our justice system. They can make it easier for large groups of people who have been injured or harmed to obtain justice by sharing legal representation. However, a petition filed recently with the U.S. Supreme Court reveals that an alarming number of class action lawsuits are enriching the lawyers while their clients get almost nothing. For example, a class action lawsuit filed over a popular brand of batteries resulted in a payday for the lawyers of $5.7 million, but their clients got less than $350,000 combined. Put another way, the lawyers got 94% of the settlement money, while their clients got only 6%. That's only 5 cents for each of the 7 million folks who were harmed. Let's be fair. Compare that to the already high 33% charged by most of the contingency fee lawyers advertising on TV, and we can see just how outrageous that is. So how can this happen? Learn how by visiting our website at centerforamericatv.org.
3: Do you owe the IRS money? Do you have years of unfiled returns? Has the IRS garnished your wages or put a lien against your house? The IRS has the power to make you pay back what they claim you owe and will stop at nothing to collect. If you are losing sleep over your IRS tax problem, there is a solution. Call Signature Tax now. Speak with our professionals and feel the weight of your tax burden lifted from your shoulders. Call 800-859-9446 for your free and confidential analysis on ending your tax nightmare. We can help get your life back on track and give you the fresh start you deserve. Our A-plus BBB-rated tax resolution team has over 125 years of combined experience to get you the best deal possible while stopping the IRS dead in their tracks. Call Signature Tax now at 800-859-9446. Call 800-859-9446. Again, that's 800-859-9446. 800-859-9446.
0: Every year for the past several years, around this time in Riverside County, is the Riverside County Fair and Date Festival. Now, listeners who are familiar with this show... No, we strongly oppose the display and use of exotic animals because the stress it places upon the animals and the risk of injury it poses to them. Now, in recent years, the festivals conducted zebra, ostrich, and camel races, hosted a baboon act, and displayed monkeys, exotic cats, pythons, macaws, and other animals. In addition, a tiger cub has been used for photos with patrons. Come on, is this necessary? The use of exotic animals at events and in other forms of entertainment is now globally viewed as inhumane. There are over 50 local ordinances across the U.S. prohibiting or restricting the use of these animals in traveling shows. And over 30 countries have similar national legislation, and hundreds of local ordinances of this kind are now in place in towns and cities around the world. It's just not necessary to use, exploit, and abuse animals in the name of profit or entertainment there are many alternatives not involving animals that would be just as entertaining for fair attendees such as acts utilizing skilled human performers we are asking if you are a resident of california to please consider signing a petition to stop the use of exotic animals at the riverside county fair and date festival advancing the interest of animals also a sponsor of this radio show and a Palm Springs based national animal welfare organization, whose mission is to promote compassion and respect for all living beings has created a petition. You can find this petition on their website, aianimals.org that's aianimals.org. If you're a California resident, please consider signing this petition to stop the use of exotic animals at the
4: fair. Hey, Lori, have you heard those new public service announcements about adopting shelter animals? No. Oh, they're really great. I'm going to play one for you now. It's uh, called Best
3: in Show. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
4: Okay, so what do you think? That was absolutely adorable. And they've got dog versions, too. They're really cute. And now we are going to switch gears and welcome back legal expert Bob Ferber, who's going to be speaking with us about shark fins. Hi, Bob. Hi, Peter. Okay, so uh, we've covered the ban of shark fins on the show. It's a horrible, cruel practice where these uh, sharks are captured. Their fins are cut off. For the soup market around the world, and the sharks basically drown. And in California, which leads the country in a lot of animal welfare and environmental issues, the commerce in shark friends really has been shut down. And the Ninth Circuit, if I have this correct, and you'll, and you'll comment in a second, the Ninth Circuit upheld the ban, and now there is a threat to go to the Supreme Court by groups that want to consume these shark fins. Bob Ferber, what's going on?
5: What's going on here, Peter, is the federal government has already banned the removal of shark fins from sharks. Obviously, this is to prevent the use of shark fins in soups and other, and other products. Uh, several states like California have passed laws that help enforce that by saying not only can you not remove the shark fins, but can't sell them. And this is a better way of enforcing it so that, let's say, some investigator from the state of California, they don't catch anybody removing the shark fins, but they're selling them. Well, it's the same. It's better able to enforce simply the federal law, which says you you can't remove them. So it's removing them, and you can't sell them. The uh, several cultural groups, the Chinese Chinatown Neighborhood Association and some other groups are arguing that the state law is in conflict with the federal law and that it's also discriminating against uh, Chinese-Americans. That's basically what's happening right now. They appealed the state law to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal, which is kind of like the second highest court in the country under the Supreme Court. And the Ninth Circuit said, no, the state law that says you can't sell them is just as good a law as you can't remove them. Mm -hmm. And so they might be appealing this to the Supreme Court now. Got it. The Chinese Americans.
4: And do you get the feeling that this is the sort of case that the Supreme Court wants to hear?
5: The Supreme Court has two options. They can either ignore it and just refuse to hear it, or they'll hear it, and I I think that they're going to refuse to hear it. They they have that discretion to say, no, we're not getting involved. The Ninth Circuit made the final decision. Uh, I think that whether they take it or not— I don't think that the argument uh, by the Chinese Cultural Association or Neighborhood Association holds water. Uh, This state law is not in conflict with a federal law. It's simply allowing the states to better enforce the federal law, which is that you're not supposed to be using shark fins for anything. And if we don't catch you by removing them, then we'll catch you where you're selling them. It makes perfect sense, and I think that this is a lawsuit that's pretty much going to go nowhere. Thank God, because uh, it's for the welfare of the sharks and, uh, and the welfare of these animals and for other animals that need to be protected and shouldn't be killed just because a certain group says, well, we like to eat that animal, so we should have a right to do it.
4: Well, they claim they're being unfairly targeted as Chinese Americans. Why is that not valid?
5: The, the effort to go protect sharks, whales, sea life in general, I don't know that none of that has ever been, it has not originated in an attack against a cultural group. Uh, whether you agree with some of the more aggressive groups like Sea Shepherd and PETA, Uh, none of these have gone out of the I don't think anybody would argue that people are going against are trying to protect these animals to go against a certain cultural group. It has nothing to do with whether you're Chinese, Asian, whatever. Okay. This is about protecting a species that is limited in supply, that has been over, has been overfished, and uh, and really, it's about conservation. It has nothing to do with targeting a particular group. It happens to be that chinese uh, the chinese culture some people really enjoy the use of eating shark fins it doesn't mean that they are being targeted for that so I, I don't think that there's any evidence of that and i frankly i don't think that they're going to be able to show any evidence that these restrictions had anything to do with the, Czech, the asian culture
4: bob ferber thanks for your analysis speak to you soon you're welcome
6: Rita, you look upset.
7: I am, and I'm not sure what to do. My neighbor's dog is tied up outside. He looks very skinny and sick, and I never see food or clean water given to him.
4: You need to report this right away. What do you mean? You should call Animal Services or the police and tell them about the abused and neglected dog. They can help to make sure the dog is properly taken care of.
8: Okay, I can't stand to watch him suffer anymore. What's the number?
9: Even though most of us take good care of our pets, not everyone treats dogs and cats with the care and compassion they need to be safe and healthy. If you see that a dog or cat is not being treated properly, report it to Animal Services or the police right away. Pets need food and clean water and protection from extreme weather. You can make the difference, and you don't have to give your name. Help stop pet abuse and neglect. Be their voice. Make the call. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. There is no getting around it. The great outdoors isn't so great for your cat. From speeding cars to toxic lawn chemicals, coyotes to cruel humans, cats are no match to the dangers of today's world. The good news is animal behavior experts say cats don't need to go outside to be happy. Your family will be happier and healthier, too, without the ticks, fleas, diseases, and the dead critters the outdoor cats bring their owners and you will never have to explain to a crying child who or what hurt her pet or why he hasn't come home cats can enjoy a happy and safe life indoors the key is to provide attention exercise and a stimulating environment play with your cat it's fun for both of you you can hide toys around the house too Just make sure there can be no detachable parts that can be swallowed. You can protect your cat from becoming a tragic statistic. Tomorrow may be too late. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org.
8: I want to share with you an email that the Purple Heart Foundation received from one of my listeners. They write, I became aware of your group via The Dana Show, and hearing Dana speak favorably about your group, I did a bit of research, and many things looked good, especially third-party company reviews that rate charity givers. It also brought me to investigate one of the military service groups I've been giving to for a number of years, and I realized that my money would be better given to the Purple Heart Foundation. They write, I plan to keep Purple Heart Foundation on my list going forward. Unfortunately, not all veterans organizations are the same. The Purple Heart Foundation is committed to helping all veterans and one of the biggest challenges that they face, veterans claims. The Purple Heart Foundation's offices and service members nationwide are dedicated to helping veterans receive their benefits. Call 888-414-4483. That's 888-414-4483. They take many forms of donations, but a cash donation has the most immediate impact. All donations, 100% tax deductible. Visit PurpleHeartFoundation.org.
2: I'm Bob DiRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. A monkey, an animal rights organization, and a primatologist walk into a federal court to sue for infringement of the monkey's claimed copyright. Sounds like a joke, right? But it's actually a line from a real court document filed by a lawyer for a photographer who was sued last year by the group People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. To make a long story short, a monkey in Indonesia took a picture of himself using a camera that a nature photographer had left unattended. It was hilarious, and the monkey's selfie went viral. Unfortunately, that's when the real monkey business started and PETA sued the photographer. It claimed that the monkey, not him, should get any money generated by the photo. Let's be fair. I know our legal system sometimes seems like it's gone bananas, but I'm happy to say that a federal judge has just issued a tentative ruling upholding common sense. He says that a monkey can't own a copyright. PETA, however, pledges to keep fighting. Learn more. Visit our website at centerforamericatv.org.
6: According to the FBI Uniform Crime Report, there are over 5,000 robberies every day. Your home could be at risk of being burglarized. Don't put your loved ones and valuables in jeopardy. For just over a dollar per day, your home can be protected from break-ins, fire, and war. Get the latest home security technology from Protect Your Home, your ADT-authorized dealer. Over 6 million households sleep better at night with ADT-monitored home security. What's more, Protect Your Home is offering you their latest equipment, an $850 value, absolutely free for qualified customers. Protect your loved ones and home today. Call now for licenses and to find out more. The call is free, 1-800-261-3620. That's 1-800-261-3620. Again, 1-800-261-3620. $99 $99 installation charge. 36-month monitoring agreement at $36.99 per month. Payment by credit card or electronic bank account charge. For new homeowner customers with satisfactory credit history only. Local permit fees may be required. Certain restrictions apply cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Welcome back to the program. As you know, Animals Today is primarily a show about advocating for animals. As part of that, we strongly promote a plant-based diet because obviously it's most consistent with protecting the rights of animals. However, we also want our own diets to be healthy and environmentally friendly. So there's a lot of overlap between healthy eating and animal advocacy. Peter and I have been enjoying a wonderful new book by Dr. Michael Greger. It's called How Not to Die. And today and in future shows, we're going to explore select topics with Dr. Greger, beginning with preventing heart disease and stroke through diet. Hi, Michael.
10: So glad to be here.
0: Michael, we've been following your work for many years now. So we're very excited to learn about How Not to Die, which is an incredible, fact-based, detailed, but very readable book. Why did you decide to write this?
10: Well, you know, um, for those of you who are familiar with my story, you know, I was uh, it all started with my grandma when I was uh, just a kid. She was uh, diagnosed with end-stage heart disease, sent home in a wheelchair to die. She'd already had so many bypass operations, basically ran out of plumbing. And so uh, her life was over at age 65, and she learned about this uh, lifestyle medicine pioneer by the name of Nathan Pritikin. Um, and uh, was uh, they wheeled her in, and uh, she walked out. In fact, a few weeks later, she was walking ten miles a day. Went on to live another thirty-one years on this planet until age ninety-six to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. Um, and so that's what inspired me to go into medicine. But when I got to medical school, I was shocked to find out that this whole body of evidence on reversing chronic disease with lifestyle changes, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, uh, was being largely ignored by mainstream medicine. So uh, I figured, wait a second, if the cure to our number one killer could get lost down the rabbit hole, what else might be buried in the medical literature that could help my patients? So I made it my life's mission to find out, and that's what led me to start NutritionFacts.org, and that's what led me to write the new book, how not to die.
0: So let's talk about heart disease and stroke together. Two big causes of death in the United States. Is there now strong evidence that diet can prevent coronary artery disease and stroke?
10: Well, there's only one diet that's ever been proven to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients. That's a plant-based diet. That's the number one killer of men and women. So if that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse our number one killer, then shouldn't that be the kind of default diet until proven otherwise? Uh, And the fact that it's also uh, been shown to be effective in in preventing and arresting, reversing other leading killers like uh, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, uh, would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming.
0: So what is the evidence that an unprocessed plant-based diet can reverse heart disease?
10: Well, the evidence goes back to July 1990 in the Lancet, Dr. Dean Ornish's Lifestyle Heart Trial, where it was a randomized clinical trial, split people up into two groups, one group, and these are um, all folks with a serious heart disease. Um, Half the group continued to follow the advice from their physicians, and the other half uh, um, were placed on a, or were asked to go on a whole food plant-based diet along with healthy lifestyle behaviors. And uh, 82% of those um, that uh, were placed in the experimental group, meaning the diet group, um, were uh, able to experience regression of atherosclerosis, meaning arteries opening up without drugs, without surgery, suggesting their bodies wanted to heal all along, but were just never given the chance. Whereas, uh, the majority of those in the conventional group can you know continue to get worse which is no surprise if you keep eating the diet that led to the disease in the first place well obviously if you keep eating that disease if you eating that diet it's just going to get the disease is going to get worse and worse.
0: Michael for many authorities their advice on diet is simply adopt a Mediterranean diet what's wrong with that?
10: Well, it's certainly better than what uh, most Americans are eating. You realize that when they talk about these guidelines, um, they're trying to make it. They're not. I mean, they're they're not basing this on the best available balance of evidence. They're basing it on what they think is practical, what they think is doable, what they think is palatable to the public. So, for example, the DASH diet um, is the diet that's prescribed by the American Heart Association. For example. Um, and uh, it's uh, not a no meat diet; it's a low meat diet. And he said, "Wait a second, why not vegetarian?" I mean, that's what the best data shows. And uh, I mean, were was you know, were they just not aware of the landmark research started back in the '70s showing that? Um, uh, the lowest rates of heart disease and heart disease risk factors were among those eating strictly plant-based diets. This is re- uh, work done by uh, Harvard's Frank Sachs. He said, no, no, well, they were aware. In fact, the chair of the design committee that came up with the DASH diet was Frank Sachs. He's very explicit. If you go back in the literature, and I have videos featuring this, where it shows that they were very explicit, they designed the DASH diet. With the number one goal of capturing the blood pressure lowering benefits of a vegetarian diet, but they said contain enough animal products to make it palatable to the general public. They didn't think the public could handle the truth. Now you can kind of see what they were thinking. Right, I mean, just like drugs never work unless you actually take them, diets never work unless you actually eat them. So they're like, well, look, no one's going to go on a strict vegetarian diet, so we can't tell people the truth. But, you know, if we soft-pedal the truth, then, hey, maybe overall we'll actually do more good in the world. But, you know, my response to that is, okay, tell that to the thousand families a day that lose a family member to high blood pressure, Yeah, uh, maybe it's time to start telling the American public the truth.
0: What are endotoxins and how do they contribute to coronary disease? Endotoxins
10: are actually components of uh, the cell walls of many uh, bacteria. And so we have evolved over millions of years to uh, have a you know, we'll have a significant immune reaction, this inflammatory reaction, whenever these endotoxins are detected in our bloodstream because that's kind of a signal to our body that we may actually be in sepsis. We may actually have a bacterial bloodborne infection, uh, one of the most, you know, kind of significant, uh, uh, you know, illnesses people can have. And so... Um, Uh, And so uh, it turns out that uh, if you eat a meal um, rich in animal products, the original study was actually done on uh, sausage and egg McMuffins from McDonald's, uh, within hours of consumption you get this dramatic spike in inflammation in the bloodstream, um, which causes uh, one's arteries to stiffen, crippling one's artery function for uh, two, three, four hours after a meal. And then by by then, by the time your arteries start to relax um... and uh... and to recover well then you know lunchtime and then we do the whole thing all over again so we a second, what's going on and it turns out that after meal of animal products you get what's called endotoxemia where the presence of these endotoxins goes up in the bloodstream that would appears to be a triggering inflammation which triggers the stiffening of our arteries uh... and you say well wait a second where are these endotoxins coming from and it turns out it appears just to be the bacterial load of these animal products, I mean, there's just so much uh, you know bacteria in meat, even when fully cooked, so we 're not talking about live bacteria we 're talking about just components of dead bacteria that aren't destroyed by cooking aren't destroyed by our stomach acids aren't destroyed by our enzymes in our gut uh, that digest proteins, and so well these endotoxins found in the bacteria found in you know meat and dairy. Um, is then absorbed into our system through the gut wall after eating it, and our body thinks, oh, my God, endotoxin in our bloodstream, we may have an invasion on our hands and causes this burst of inflammation, which unfortunately can adversely affect our blood vessels.
0: Dr. Gregor, in your section about stroke, you talk about fiber and antioxidants. Briefly tell us a little bit about that.
10: Yeah, so um, stroke risk surprisingly, um, appear, and one appears to be able to protect against stroke risk by maximizing fiber intake and antioxidant intake. We're not exactly sure why. It's possible that fiber and antioxidants may just be markers for healthy foods in general. So fiber is only found one place in abundance, and that's whole plant foods, unprocessed plant foods, and so if you measure how, many, how much fibers in someone's diet, you're basically measuring how many whole plant foods are in someone's diet. So anytime you find a beneficial effect, a beneficial association between high fiber intake and some kind of disease risk, yeah, it could be the fiber itself, but for all we know, it could be some of the thousands of other beneficial um, you know, phytonutrients that are found in whole plant foods. Uh, similar with antioxidants, uh, the, the plant foods on average contain 64 times more antioxidants than animal foods. Um, the highest antioxidant foods are, you know, some of the healthiest foods like berries and greens, herbs and spices. And so again, if you measure the antioxidant content of one's diet, basically you're measuring how colorful and flavorful um, and packed with healthy plant foods. Uh, diet is so. Again, is it the antioxidants itself that's protecting against the stroke? Maybe that's just that Gives you a sense of how many potassium-rich foods are one has in a diet, like beans and greens and dates. All high in antioxidants. All high in fiber. Um, and so, it's hard to tease out. But we do know that you know using any of these measures of whole plant food intake, the more we eat, the lower our risk for chronic disease falls for many diseases, including including stroke.
0: Very good, the book is How Not to Die, available everywhere. Dr. Michael Greger, thank you.
10: So glad to be here.
0: This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for joining us on Animals Today. Each week, we explore the wide variety of new and important issues concerning the welfare and rights of animals, how people treat them, and where they fit in society. From whale protectors risking their own lives on the open seas, to lawmakers fighting to pass legislation to assist animals, to kids volunteering at their local shelter, Animals Today provides timely and in-depth analysis and interviews with experts and advocates from around the world. To listen, join us every week on this station, listen on iTunes, or go to animalstodayradio.com, where you can access and listen to all the prior shows. And like us on Facebook and share your views. Much of our financial support comes from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. That's AIANIMALS.org. So check them out. This is Dr. Lori, and thanks for listening. Animals to say fun facts for the day are about koalas. When early European settlers first encountered koalas in Australia, they thought the tree-climbing animals were bears or monkeys. Even today, people still incorrectly refer to koalas as koala bears. In fact, koalas, like kangaroos, are actually marsupials, which are also known as pouched mammals because the adult females have a marsupium, or pouch, where their young stay until fully developed. Koalas are only found in Australia, and they are one of that country's iconic symbols. Koalas have special physical characteristics That complement their tree-dwelling lifestyle, including their two opposable digits to grip branches and to pick the tasty eucalyptus leaves, their main form of nourishment. And these are your Animals Today fun facts for the day.
6: If you're living with diabetes and have Medicare or private insurance, here are some great news. Call United States Medical Supply today, and we'll send you the smallest glucose meter in the world, absolutely free, so small, so small. It fits right on the bottle of strips. And if you call now, we'll also send you this stylish full-featured meter at no charge. That's two free meters. You can keep one in your pocket and leave the other one at home.
4: You can even hook it up to your computer so your doctor can track your results. United States Medical Supply also
10: delivers prescription medication right to my door so I don't have to go to the drugstore
6: anymore. Don't let diabetes get in the way of living. Give us a call today at United States Medical Supply and get the smallest meter in the world for free. Call today.
2: Call 1-800-897-8374. That's 1-800-897-8374. Call 1-800-897-8374 today.
9: And now, the lens of liberty. Here's Helen Kreeble.
5: The real strength of America is our unity. The motto, E Pluribus Unum, is on all our currency and coins, and it means, from the many, one. America is not just a place, it's an idea, the idea that ordinary people can govern themselves. Americans are a diverse people, but we are united because we believe in the principles of individual freedom, personal responsibility, and free enterprise. We should guard our freedoms jealously and examine all government proposals through the lens of liberty, always asking, will this make us more free or less free? When we don't, we saddle ourselves with so many taxes, laws, rules, and regulations that we lose something of utmost
8: importance, our freedom.
9: The Lens of Liberty is brought to you by the Vernon K. Kreeble Foundation.
8: Tax season is here. Many of us are wondering how we can maximize our tax refund and get it faster. Jackson Hewitt CEO David Prokupak shares a few tips on how to make the most of your tax refund this year. At
6: Jackson Hewitt, we're serving hardworking Americans, making tax season less taxing. And this year, you can have your federal refund loaded onto an American Express serve account. When you do, you can get your refund up to two days faster than an IRS direct deposit. We're going to let folks pop into Walmart and pick up the refund for under 10 bucks. It's really a great deal, one of the ways to maximize your refund uh, this year at Jackson Hewitt.
8: Are there any other benefits for getting refunds on the card?
6: This American Express Serve card helps you avoid high check cashing fees. You also get $50 on American Express Serve card the same day you complete your taxes with us. It's our way of saying thank you. But the best way to get the biggest refund, for which most Americans is the biggest paycheck of the year, is to talk to a tax professional and make sure you get it right.
8: For more information, visit JacksonHewitt.com.
0: think about when you see a homeless person with a dog. So it's a slightly different situation than the one where there's just a person who may be sitting quietly or maybe asking for money or something else. I'll tell you what crosses my mind and what I wonder about is besides feeling a sense of pity for the person, I wonder what kind of life this is for the dog. Is the dog happy? Is the dog healthy? Is there anything I could do or should I do to help the dog? Like, should I give him food, or should I give the homeless person money to buy food for his dog? Should I ask questions or say anything? Really, it's hard to know what to do. Recently, I learned about an extraordinary organization doing incredible things for homeless people and their animals. I want to welcome to the show Lori Rich, founder of Taking It to the Streets with Lori and Shira. Welcome to the program, Lori.
7: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Lori, tell us about Taking It to the Streets with Lori and Shira, and how did it get started?
7: Well, it got started from the desire that my teenager had for animals. It began in the shelters, and we moved out into the rescue community. And one day, my daughter said, well, we're always helping homeless dogs, but what about dogs that live with homeless people? And We began driving around with dog treats and waters and fleece blankets in the car. And as time went on, we kept seeing more and more of the homeless. We kept handing out more supplies. We started putting pictures of dogs on Facebook saying what we were doing, and there was a real interest in the work. And somehow it snowballed into what it is today, which is a nonprofit that deals with homeless people and their pets. We are bringing food and supplies to them, but more importantly, our mission is to spay, neuter, microchip, vaccinate, and license as many of those pets as possible while providing their companions with some education about pet responsibility.
0: So, Lori, how does it work when you see a homeless person who seems to be, quote, caring for a dog or cat?
7: We try to build a rapport with people a little bit. And what happens is, I mean, we've been doing this almost four years to back up to when we got started. It was March in 2012. We spayed and neutered our first pets the following September. And in the beginning, nobody wanted to let us take any animals because they thought we were going to steal them. They didn't realize we would give them back because they're homeless and they thought we wanted to keep them. And as we earned people's trust, and we're driving around daily giving things to people like waters and snacks and hygiene and blankets and just all kinds of things, people started approaching us and we began taking pets, just maybe one every couple of weeks or however you want to count. It just depended on what was around. And then before you knew it, we hit a hundred and it just has snowballed again like everything else has. And now we usually take an average of two or three pets a week to a local clinic and they give us a discounted price and we provide what we call the works, which are all those things I told you about, so that the pets are healthy and legal for their companions. On the day of surgery, after the animal has been spayed, vaccinated and microchipped, we drive the pet with a volunteer that sits with them in the car to a local motel where they spend the night so the dog can start recuperating with someone they know and love and can come off the anesthesia and the pain meds with someone they're familiar with. In addition, whenever we microchip a dog, and we do every time, we actually microchip the cats as well, we put our phone number on that chip. So if animal control ever picks up the dog, we automatically get a phone call And the people that do not have a phone whose dogs we have helped or cats, then we can notify them and let them know that their animal has been impounded. We do not get them out of impound for anybody unless the person was taken to the hospital and the animal was impounded but we do at least let them know where their pets are and then they can make arrangements to try to make some kind of payment to get them out of the shelter, if that is what happens.
0: As far as you can tell, are the animals well cared for by the homeless guardian? You know, I have to say, I'd be lying to say that all of them are in great shape
7: because just as people in homes often have dogs that sit in the yard and get ignored or get neglected or they're abused, the same can be said for the homeless community. But on the other side of that are companionships that you oftentimes don't see between people and homes and pets because those pets are with their companions 24 hours a day most times and the bond between them is oftentimes unbreakable. Is
0: there any danger in what you do?
7: You know it's funny
0: uh, when I first started doing this
7: I was always very in the open and I only went certain areas and you know I had my teenage daughter in the car so I was always thinking about her safety. And as time has gone on, we have started going places like the River Bottom and other areas of town that I said I would never go. So I'm sure the danger is there, but because we're providing services that are so wanted by the people that are out there, I don't feel in danger when we're there. What
0: areas do you cover?
7: Right now, I travel the city of Riverside only. You know, I thought I would start going all over as soon as we, you know, as soon as we got animals done. And and people just keep coming out of nowhere. You know, it's like every time I turn around, I find another homeless person or another encampment. Or people go to the homeless shelter, too. There's a homeless shelter here. And in order for them to put – they have a small kennel area for some of the animals if you have a bed – but in order for your animal to go there they have to be spayed, neutered, vaccinated, licensed and all of that. So they usually call me they they call me to help the people with their pets. You know, that's something else that has nothing to do with just driving around, but I also spend a lot of time doing that, working with the people that go into the shelter so their pets are okay to be there.
0: Lori, in what ways can people help you?
7: Well, because most of the work that we do that we feel is the most important is the spaying and neutering, of course, donations are always something that we would love to have. We have a Facebook page that we share photos every single day of our travels. We love when people get on there and comment and share our work. The biggest thing people can do is is share what we're doing with others so we can spread the word, and hopefully what we're doing will carry on in other places with other people. It won't be taking to the streets with Lori and Shira, but it will be other people doing what we're doing until there's no need for any pet of any homeless person to be out there without help. Lori, what's your website? It's www.streetkindness.org.
0: Fantastic. Great work. Lori Rich, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. Hi, it's Dr. Lori, and thank you for listening to Animals Today and for caring about the welfare and rights of non-human animals like we do. Did you know that Animals Today is now in its seventh consecutive year of weekly broadcast? You can listen to our prior shows by going to animalstodayradio.com, where you will find episodes covering a wide variety of issues concerning companion animals, animals in the wild, and animals in agriculture. Some recent topics we have covered include the cruelty of the racehorse industry, hidden risks at dog parks, wildlife killing contests, doggy dementia, and draft conservation. Truly, if it has anything to do with animal advocacy around the world, you will find it on Animals Today. So go to Animalstodayradio.com. Animals Today is a project of the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. Check them out at aianimals.org. And please consider supporting Advancing the Interest of Animals to help keep Animals Today on the air. That website, again, is aianimals.org.